You're listening to the Influential Conversations podcast with Industry Influencer of the Year, Kirk Stafford and guests. Proudly brought to you by Tappy, helping property managers deliver a world-class maintenance experience to their landlords and tenants and save 40% of their time processing maintenance requests. Box Brownie, the innovators in property photography. Have a look at their new product, Snap, Snap, Snap. This is the brand new phone app designed specifically for real estate agents, which allows you to shoot professional quality photographs straight from your phones. Inspection Express, they're the market leader in property inspection reporting and digital signature property documentation, giving you a seamless approach to the way that you manage properties, as well as Agent Dynamics, the market-leading team development ecosystem to help you nurture, grow, and retain your property teams since 2014. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stafford. Joining me in this uh, episode of uh, Influential Conversations is the lovely Rebecca Berry from Bell Property in St Kilda and Brighton. Now, Beck is the Head of Property Management and one of the partners in the firm. Uh, she has won two Victorian Operational Leadership Awards. Uh, are they both with the REIV, were they, Beck? Yeah, they were. She's won two Victorian Operational Leadership Awards over the last couple of years or so, been in the industry since I think about 2009 or 2010 from, from what I remember, haven't you, or was it a bit before that? A very long time. Some a very, yeah, well, you know, let's not swap notes on who's been in the industry <laughs> longer because there's, there's a lot of dinosaurs on this program, particularly the host. There's, uh, she runs a team of 15 people. There's uh, 1,750 managements uh, within the division. So it's it's a fair size operation. Beck and her husband and the kids live down in the uh, the middle Bayside areas of uh, of Melbourne. So Beck, this is all about you, my dear. Great. I want to know. Well, we want to know about you. <laughs> um, firstly, where have you come from? So, um, real estate wise, I came from Ray White Commercial in Newcastle. I started there when I was nineteen years old, and that taught me pretty much everything about real estate, particularly clients and the sheer volume at which real estate agencies experience on the phones. Um, And it taught me a sense of urgency from the very get-go because it was a very, very, very busy office for a commercial office. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, would have been. Yeah, and then I I learned a lot there and then I moved to, I actually moved abroad for a couple of years and just experienced travel and people and all sorts of different work. And then I finally moved back after a couple of years, brought a husband back with me. and (laughs) (laughs) See what happens when you travel. You you end up with these little souvenirs that just tend to be hard to get rid of after a while. Just just a few strays. Yeah. (laughs) So that happened. I I returned back um, over here and I went straight into leasing, I did that for a few months and then launched into property management. And when I say launched, it was truly sink or swim. And it was 180 properties with no PM experience and and very little guidance. Um, Consumer Affairs Hotline was my go-to. And that's pretty much how I learned a lot of what I know today. Yeah. Was that, did you start with Hocking Stewart or were there a couple of firms in between once you came back from overseas? Yeah, there was Ray White in Nara, which is my hometown in New South Wales, and then there was Hockney Stewart, which is now Bell, and that mm. was my that was my first PM job. Yep, that, that would have been sink or swim, as you said, because particularly if you're coming through in an area like St Kilda where you've got a huge diversity of, 
of properties and also, <clears throat> I think, personalities um, within that because you you do tend to get um, – Oh, look, I think it's in, in, in any industry, which you do tend to get the good and the bad. Are there any stories that stand out more than another to you? From my experience with learning how to be a property manager from the start, yeah. mm-hmm. I think a couple of experiences were with the, with the girl who actually had doing the handover with me for a week and some of the things that she would say to clients that I was just absolutely flabbergasted with the the level of customer service she was providing and the things she was actually saying um, that were I, I had never sort of been client-facing before in that respect with portfolio management and it was kind of the abrasiveness that I was experiencing from her was something that I knew I just didn't want to take into my role that was going to be ongoing with that agency. So I think I learned very quickly on how to manage people in the way that they actually want to be managed not the way that we think that we need to manage someone yeah I mean there was lots of other things that you know insurance claims flooding on in properties that scared the absolute life out of me and I would call the owner and say we've just had this (laughs) we've just had this your property flood um this is what I'm going to do probably with a lot of self-doubt in my tone but we got through it and there, there was help in the office but like I said earlier there was also a lot of help with from consumer affairs and, and Google to be honest with you and that's yeah. <laughs> these tools are there for us so I use them yeah Google and, and consumer affairs I don't know whether Google's always such a help but uh, certainly CAD used to be a, a really big help to us all didn't they yeah sure did yeah yeah, but it's interesting you say that because I think one of the lessons that a lot of people learn is, you know, not so much what to do, but through experience learn the things of what not to do. Mm. And, and customer service is a really good one because we, we've got to look at it from the point of view, I think, of how we believe we would like to be spoken to. Yeah. And, and what represents good customer service and a good customer-focused ethos. Yeah. If you've got people that are being really offhand, I found that to be you know, incredibly off-putting for a lot of people in terms of you know, the, 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 that sort of level of abruptness that we really don't need to have. We can get people to come across to our way of thinking or around to our way of thinking quite easily if we, if we can show them that we know what we're talking about and we just use a little bit of courtesy in, 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 in our conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I have I have a coach, um, that's Fiona Blaney. She's been fantastic for my ongoing development. And one of the things we work on is language and the words that you're using in the conversation. You can say something one way to get a result, but it might not be the result that you want. And if you just think carefully about the words that you use, you can get another result that's going to go in your favour but also help that other person. So there's a lot to be said about language is. Yep. Oh, look, I, I, I totally agree. It's uh, as they say, it's not so much what you say; it's the way it's said. Yeah, and, and I uh, when I first started, it was very, very long ago. My manager at the time was Robin Lukey, um, and I was I was still learning how to speak to people. And she would say to me, "You get more bees with honey, Rebecca. <laughs> you get more bees." I was, with- I was about to trot that one out as well. Yeah. It's look, it's a very old saying, but it's a very apt one, and it's a very, very true one. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, and first impressions last, so you have to be really careful from the get go. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and I, my, my uh, experience was very much like yours. I think in some ways that I got taught my lesson very early on in my career that you know you're expected to maybe not have all the answers, but know where to mm-hmm. find them. Yeah. But it's also that 
I find that you know people expect you to be able to take control of a situation. You say before you had some some fear and some hesitation in your voice at times. I, I got taught that lesson early on because I had some guy say to me, I think my second week, yeah, Kirk, I pay you to manage the property, not for me to manage you to manage the property. Yeah. yeah. So you have 15 staff. You obviously you've you've, you've grown the division quite remarkably over the last uh, what mm. four or five years. Yeah. There's yes. been a couple of acquisitions in there, but uh, to to hold that many properties in an area, competitive area like St Kilda and, uh, and Brighton, mm. it's that that takes quite a bit of doing. It does, and it takes um, a lot of retention of your current staff as well. So I think, as we all know, um, a client loves to deal with just the one person, and I think it's really helped to to maintain the same staff or many of the same staff over a long period of time, and that then helps with client retention. So we do that, and when we recruit new people in, we make sure that they're doing things the way that we've always done it so that the client is getting the same experience and not something that's different. So consistency consistency throughout the board is, is really, really important for our clients and it's reflected in our recruitment process and our induction for all new team members. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we've, we've had a couple of, um, couple of um, acquisitions, huge amount of work, really high volume, but the client retention was really, really good for them as well. And we're able to bring the the current team across from that rent roll that we purchased. And I think that really helped us. But it is it is good. It's growing really fast. I think this year, coming back from the two years of COVID, we've just we've just launched into something I've never seen before. The volume of new listings coming in now is just ridiculous. My my BDM Brody, he, she's just she I've never seen anyone move so quickly. <laughs> It's inspiring. Oh, good. She's run off her feet, is she? She sure is, yeah. But she loves yeah. it. She thrives. Yeah. She thrives on being busy. Yeah, but you need that. I think even in, in PM, regardless of what your role is, you, you need to be able to handle volume. You need to be able to handle that incessant workload. Mm. We found our VA oh. really helpful. Yep. Really, really helpful to take some of the admin workload off, things like um, entering accounts, um, sending out rent reviews, lease renewals, just that kind of mundane work that takes a little bit of time. So that's that's been really, really helpful for the team and allowed them to take on a few more properties here and there. Yep, for sure, for sure. One of the other things that you've instituted in the office that's you know, maybe helped the, the attitude of the team within the office themselves. What's what in terms of contributing to culture and then those sorts of things? What have you bought in that's that, that's made the team want to stick around? Yeah, so I think the first thing we brought in was actually help. So more feet on the ground. We brought in people to do condition reports, and that was really important to the the team, particularly over the the two years of COVID, where. They, they were just getting smashed with rent reductions here and there, properties that couldn't lease. Their admin increased almost twofold and just there was no time for them to go out and do all this out-of-office work. So we brought them in. It cost a lot as a business, um, but we did it for the team and for our clients because we had that retention there. We were able to give consistency throughout that period. We don't need to have such so many feet on the ground now doing that out of office work Um, but for that time it was really really helpful the other thing we do for our team and it is money it comes down to commission and you know rewarding those for that extra effort that we put in so you know you talk about culture this is 
money is part of a culture. So we've got several different things that we do, but this is something that's really, really important to our team is money. Everyone comes to work to earn money. So Mm -hmm. we have incentives in place and we have things like your new business. So we pay a a week's rent for any new business property that's brought on, referrals to sales, um, testimonials, how well you do if if you're at 5%, um, sorry, 5 out of, what's it called? No, (laughs) 10 out of 10 reviews. We do competitions for that and give prizes for that kind of stuff. But there's all different incentives that we have that our team can get that little bit of extra if they work that little bit harder and that's what they want. So their wage is good, but there's also these incentives just to help push them along a little bit and get them to where they need to be um, in their professional life. But also it gets them that little bit, it, it helps them towards their personal goals and things that they've set out for themselves financially. So there's those kind of things culturally where we spend a lot of time together. We have our quarterly functions where we're doing things like getting in those big balls and rolling down the paddock when you bash into each other, boat cruises, um, drinks, all sorts of bowling and activities that we try and do together on a quarterly basis. It just makes it a little bit more fun and, yeah. Yeah, but it's not all work then, is it? It's 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 socialising as well. And I think really the thing that, that that's occurred to me over time with, with managing teams and what have you is that you need to have that social interaction as well. Yeah. Because you do end up spending more time together as a as a team than you normally spend with with your own loved ones. You do. That's exactly right. And you know things things like this week we we come in and the girls have organised balloons for someone who just turned thirty and glitter on her desk, a bunch of flowers, and it's just it's nice things to make the people that you work with feel special. You know, it, encouraging them, giving them po- positive reinforcement when they've done good things. We have a Wednesday meeting um, with the sales and property management team and every week we announce either it doesn't have to be the highest performing person but it's someone who's done something that really stands out to the whole team. So they get announced. There's prizes that are won for that and it's just it's just giving them that reinforcement and making sure that, you know, we're giving as much back to them as what we are getting from them. Yep, for sure. I agree totally. Now, we've talked about culture we've talked about the importance of the team and what have you where are some of the challenges that you've found not just within the team itself but within um the way we do what we do what where are the 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 chief challenges for you in there the way that we do what we do so i think um expectations um client expectations i think have heightened um particularly throughout the covid period and i think it's trying to stay aligned with aligning the whole team with with what we actually need to deliver to our clients. The expectations have changed, they've heightened, but the management fees have kind of stayed the same or lowered. So there's finding a happy medium where we're still able to deliver the same customer satisfaction or more, but also ensure that it's still feasible to do so and coming up with different options on, you know, whether it's a staggered management fee or several different charges for this, that and that, but still being able to provide the client what they need, but also having boundaries in place for if things might not be something that we are able to deliver as a as a property management company. I think there's so many things, so many hats that you wear as a property manager. You're a psychologist, you're an insurance broker, you're this and you're that. There's so many different things. And I think it's making sure that the client knows what your role is and then setting those boundaries 
and as a property manager, actually being able to say, no, I can't do that, but I can find you the information or I can refer you to this person and they'll be able to help. I think it's about managing the expectation. Absolutely. Yeah, that's probably the biggest one recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think look that, and that's uh, we, we've tried very hard. I think as, as property managers to be the the holder of all the knowledge, and and we can't be because there's just so many diverse parts of this role that we can't ex- be expected to have full knowledge of building uh, and building techniques, you know, full insurance knowledge, you know, financing, all those sorts of things that are sort of peripheral to what we do that people expect us to to be the experts in. So we've got to manage that expectation quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I see is that we've got to manage the client's expectation in terms of how available we are. Mm, yes, that's another one, Yeah. Yeah, because I think the days of it's, it's it's a bit of a hangover, I think, from sales that that we're supposed to be available all the time, you know, because you know, they expect us to to pick up the phone at seven thirty or eight o'clock at night, or seven thirty yeah. or eight o'clock in the morning. But yeah. there's there's, a, there's quite a great deal of difference between sales and property management in that we don't get paid on the on the basis of our time. We get paid basically just for the office hours, whereas salespeople get paid on on results and and, and output. So they've got to be a lot more available than we do. We've got to manage that expectation very, very carefully. Yeah, that's that's right. And we have done things like implement <coughs> property me portal so that the owners and tenants can access what they need. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. it's limited, but there's still, you know, bits and pieces in there that they can view straight away. And for our tenants who do come up against emergency things, you know, in the evening or the weekend, we've just implemented um, a, an IA, pro- what, IA program. So right. it's it's a chatbot that will speak to the tenants when it's, and it's, it's via um, Facebook Messenger so that they can go on there and ask the chatbot a question. And the chatbot's quite, it's quite bright, to be honest. It will answer things like, if I break my lease, what happens there? Um, what are the lease break fees? When is my lease end? What's my rent? What's my biller and deft code number? All those kind of questions. And it also will troubleshoot maintenance and send them emergency numbers. So that's then taking away from the property manager the next day because the tenants also arrange a lot of their things that night. Um, the chatbot tasks in, puts maintenance into property me, and then we just have to come in the next day and add a trade to it. So some of the things, it's it's able to address issues with clients straight away, but it's also helping the property managers with some of the admin the next day. Yep, and it takes the, that, that pressure off the, and particularly, I mean, Monday mornings pretty much are a chaotic time because we, we're trying to return phone calls, we're trying to answer emails that have come in over the weekend, and if you've got something like the AI that's there that can in the in the background take care of a lot of that it just makes the job so much easier and you can then start to look at the number of properties per property manager Mm. as as being an an increase or at least providing a a much higher level of service for yeah i'm loving the technology that we've got at the moment and i'm I'm looking forward to what the the next iteration of it is yes very clever very clever Mm. Really clever, really clever. How are you going? Look, COVID's been a really, I mean, it's now nearly three years. You know, it's, we're in February 2023. This thing started in February 2020. Mm. So when you look at we started lockdown um, from, I think it was the 25th to the 26th of March. Yeah. So we, this has now been going for nearly, nearly three full years. How have you found the challenges with um, not just with the team but with yourself personally? 
What, what, have you, what have you come across as challenges and how have you dealt with them? Where have you gone for things like, like your own inspiration? Where have, you, where have you drawn your own influences from over the last, well, not just the last three years or so, but over the course of your career? Yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll start that part um, firstly with how have I got through it and I've got through it with, with a heck of a lot of exercise. I'm a bit of a gym junkie. Um, but it gets my endorphins going and every morning, I'll, maybe not every morning, I need to sleep in sometimes, but I'll get up, go to the gym at 6 o'clock, smash it out, come home, have my breakfast in silence before my children wake up um, and then just have that time where I'm zoning out and then they wake up, come down, and then it's all all go, go, go. So that, that kind of workout and quiet time for me is really, really important. It just gets me to that point where I'm able to focus. Um that was super integral and, and even when I couldn't go to the gym in COVID, I would just work out at home or go out for a power walk or whatever it was to get me going. Um, where do I draw inspiration from? I draw it from a lot of those people who actually work for me. So just watching them and the way that they worked throughout that period and the emotions that they took on from other people and that's, that's clients and tenants, people calling up crying because they can't afford to pay their rent. The way that they handled that was inspirational. So I take my inspiration from the people that I work with. I take my inspiration from my BDM, Brody. The volume that she takes on is phenomenal. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Um, I also take my inspiration from one of my girls, Kayla, who we call the brain. She's probably the smartest person I've ever met. Um, and, you know, people like Fiona, my husband, um, you, Kirk, I loved your videos throughout COVID. They were really inspirational and just, you know, things like what you spoke about in one of your recent ones about self-doubt, little things like that, podcasts. Um, Brene Brown, she was a go-to over that period and I would listen to her, I think it was called The Power of Vulnerability, literally on a repeat and it was a 22-hour um, e-book thing. Yeah. Um, and that these are the things that kept me going and these are the things that inspire me now. And yeah. uh, after all this time, I, I still love my job. There's been periods where I've thought, oh, my God, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> We've all had that. Don't worry. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think it was probably middle of, middle of last year I, I experienced burnout for the first time and it was really hard to get through that because I was having thoughts that I wouldn't normally and, and they were quite negative and I felt tired and I felt like I can't do this anymore and it was really, really hard. And I think what got me through that was actually having a proper two-and-a-half-week break where I switched off from my emails, didn't look at anything, just completely switched off from work. I was able mm -hmm. to it, come back and, and go again but it was taking that time because usually you know I'm a little bit work obsessed I'll still look at my phone I'll check my emails and whatnot but it's really important just to shut off from work and not have anything to do with it for a decent amount of time that's right yeah and, and, and those breaks really really are important aren't they it's just and I know when, when I had my my last little holiday uh, um, short while ago it took me the first week to uncoil yeah. and it does and it's, so the psychological psychologically it takes that amount of time for it to leave you so yeah. you're not always looking at the emails and going oh my god is it, have i missed anything yeah so there's breaks not just you know three or four days but you know yeah. chunks of 10 days to two weeks as a minimum absolutely yeah i agree yeah yeah 
All right. Well, look, Nick, I think, you know, rather than go on, because you and I have been known to chat before over <laughs> long periods of time, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up then. I am really, really deeply appreciative of you joining me on this. It's, it's wonderful of you to do so, and I do thank you for that. I'll be getting this online probably in the next little while. You'll see. I'll, I'll let you know so you can push it out to your, your socials as well. But Rebecca Berry, thank you very much for joining me in uh, Influential Conversations. And I look forward to uh, the next one. And I look forward to the next time that you and I catch up. Thanks, Kirk. See you later. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to another podcast in the Influential Conversation series. These are brought to you proudly by Tappy, Box Brownie, Inspection Express, and Agent Dynamics. Please be sure to tune in next time for the next in this series.